We are beginning a new series called Armor Up. Really comes on the heels of a series that we were in a few weeks ago called Can You Relate, in which we were walking through Ephesians chapters 5 and 6 and Paul's words about some ordinary, common, everyday relationships and the struggles in those relationships, marital struggles, parenting struggles, struggles with our parents, family struggles, life struggles, workplace struggles. And so we talked about those, those struggles, and Paul wraps up all of those everyday relationships of marriage and family and the workplace by reminding us, saying, look, the reality is, while it may feel like it at times, the struggle is not against the people right in front of you or beside you in this case. The struggle is not against the people that you're in those relationships with. Ultimately, the struggle in our, in our marriages and in our families, in the workplace, in our relationships is not against flesh and blood, but rather it's against the spiritual forces and the powers of evil that are at work all around us. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And many of you know that what follows is Paul's illustration. He begins to work with this imagery of a Roman soldier, which they would have understood during their time. And we certainly understand the imagery of a soldier, but it's a little bit different than what Paul paints here in Ephesians chapter 6. And so for the next few weeks, we are going to be walking through this passage here in Ephesians chapter 6, walking through each piece of armor and what it means, because each piece is very important for how we live out and walk out this journey called life. So what is the armor of God, and how do we make use of it? Some may even wonder at the relevance of the armor. I mean, why do Christians need armor anyways? Not only here in Ephesians, but throughout Scripture, though, we see that as Christians, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And we are often warned about underestimating our enemy, Satan. But perhaps even worse than underestimating our enemy, as we often do, is not even realizing that we are in a battle in the first place. Now, you say, how do we do that? But the reality is that we do that more often than we would like to admit and in more ways than we'd like to admit. Think about it like this. It's June 1944. After a 24-hour weather delay, the largest military operation in the history of warfare was about to begin, at least up until that point. Preceded by an aerial bombardment, bombardment of coastal defenses and 13,000 paratroopers dropped behind enemy lines, 5,000 ships and 156,000 soldiers are about to storm the beaches of Normandy, France. D-Day has arrived. Just before the invasion, General Dwight D. Eisenhower issued a now-famous letter to the soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Forces. And in it, he let them know that they were about to, and I quote, embark upon the greatest crusade to bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. And in the process of instilling confidence in his troops, Eisenhower didn't 
in any way suggest that the battle would be easy or that the enemy would be defeated quickly. Instead, Eisenhower wrote these words. He said, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. The general wanted his troops to understand the grim reality of the battle that awaited them, and failure to do so would only lead to greater casualties. And yet the reality is that just about every single day we fall into that trap of underestimating the enemy at best, and at worst not even realizing that we are in the midst of a battle. Far too often we don't give thought, or at least not enough thought, to the, the, the reality of Satan and him working in our world and the battle that we are in. And that often leads to neglecting to putting on the full armor of God. And some may feel uncertain or uneasy or it's awkward. How do we talk about spiritual warfare and, and, and spiritual forces that are at work? And modern thinking really doesn't leave much room to give much thought to the work of Satan in our world and in our lives. And even if thought is given, oftentimes it's in people's minds just this caricature of Satan, right? But that's not the picture that Scripture paints. The Bible speaks of the devil, of Satan, of the enemy, over and over and over again. And not once is he pictured as a short red goat man with a pitchfork, nor does he enter into fiddling contests down in Georgia. I've been there. I promise that does not happen. But I do like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. Scripture makes it clear that Satan is at work. And he is always working against God's purposes and against God's kingdom. Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says he is the God of this world who blinds the minds of unbelievers and keeps them from seeing the light of the gospel. First John, John talks about, tells us that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And Satan, or scripture consistently pick, paints this picture of Satan being one who snares believers and attempts to lead them astray from a sincere and committed devotion to Jesus Christ. And so, yes, I'm here to tell you this morning, Satan is real. Whether you recognize that, admit that, live in light of that or not, the reality is Satan is real and he is active. And yes, there is a real spiritual battle being waged against the kingdom of God. And every single believer, whether we want to enlist or not, or think we are enlisted or not, is engaged in this spiritual battle. And when we understand that we are in this battle, I think the first question we ought to ask ourselves is, how do I not get killed? How do I not become carnage on the spiritual battlefield that we are on? Which brings us back to Paul's illustration in Ephesians chapter 6. He uses the armor of the Roman soldier to paint this picture for us about the kind of armor that you and I need to put on as Christians in the soldier, as soldiers in the army of God. And it's in the soldier's armor that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a very fitting metaphor for how God equips us with protection from a very powerful spiritual enemy. Now, two things before we get started and get into the first piece of armor that I want to give you, just kind of overarching. This is not in your notes. But the first is this. You have to put the armor on. The armor has to be worn to be effective. Now, I know that seems obvious, but so often what is obvious 
is not always done, and it's not always lived out. Paul says to believers, put on the full armor of God. Some versions say, yours maybe reads, take up the full armor of God. Either way, it's got to be put on. God makes the armor available, but every single day, you and I have to put it on. Every single day, you and I have to armor up. Otherwise, it's ineffective. Secondly, while we are certainly in this together, and we'll talk about this at the very end, and really it'll run throughout this entire series, there are no Christian mercenaries who can fight on your behalf. You can't hire this out, okay? You can't, you know, this is not for like the spiritually elite among us, quote unquote. Every single Christian has to battle in their own lives. All who bear the name of Christ are to be soldiers in his cause and for his cause, and we require armor to protect us from the battle that rages not only around us, but even in us. That phrase, put on the whole armor of God, really paints a picture that that God provides us with every single piece of armor we need to protect us from every angle of attack. And after putting that on, only after putting that on, can you and I stand firm. So you got to put it on. And every single one of us has to put it on. And so, that being said, the first piece of armor that Paul talks about is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the belt of truth. And it's kind of like that. The, the belt was thicker, bigger than what you typically would probably think of as a belt. Certainly thicker and bigger than mine. It's not the same that you would think of when you go to buy a, you go to a store and, and buy a belt. I mean, this thing was this thick, thicker than some of the 1970s belts that probably some of you rocked back in the day. But it was thick, it was wide, it was, it was solid belt. And it wrapped, basically, covered your pelvic area, covered your, your lower mid section. And it was meant to provide protection to what can be a rather vulnerable area especially for us men, right? Now, there's a lot more to be said, and we'll get to some of that, but I think right off the bat, you can kind of see what the belt of truth or one of the aspects of the belt of truth is meant to provide. And I want to highlight that, first of all, and this is in your notes. The first thing the belt of truth does is it helps to protect us against the lies of the enemy. Helps to protect us from the enemy's lies, especially in those places and during those times where we are most vulnerable. The primary way Satan works is through deception and lies. Started way back in the beginning, the first human beings deceived him through a lie, and it's been the same ever since. Satan's native, Jesus says in John chapter 8 verse 44, that Satan's native tongue, when he speaks, he lies. Satan's first language is lying. In fact, that's really his only language is lying. Now, it doesn't always have to be full out lies. Sometimes it's half truth, but either way, it's not the whole truth. And if it's not the whole truth, then it's a lie. Lying is his modus operandi, if you will. And yet knowing that, if you know that someone is lying to your face, as Satan does to us, then the question becomes, why do we buy into it? Why do we so often succumb and give in to the lies that he gives us, this constant barrage of Satan's lies? And I guess maybe part of that is just what I just said, is that it's constant. It's never-ending. It's just this stream over and over of lie on top of lie. 
And too often Satan knows our insecurities and he knows our, our weaknesses and he knows those places we are, where we are vulnerable. And you are more susceptible to believe a lie and so am I where we are most vulnerable. And so you just think about some of the lies as men, as women, as parents. Satan comes along and he says, your husband doesn't really love you. I mean, what's there to love? You know, you don't look like all those other women. You don't have the right size, the right shape, the right hair color. As a man, you don't really measure up. As a husband, as a father. I mean, look at all the other examples. What? As a parent, your kids have no chance growing up in your household. No, nobody cares about you. Nobody really cares. You know, you're, you're too far gone. Your sins are, are too much. God can't, that's too much to forgive. And what if everybody knew? I mean, what if everybody found out, you know, that deep, dark secret that you got? Or on the other side of that, what's the big deal? I mean, did God really say that? That's what he said to Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Did God really say that? I mean, is that really sin? I mean, if it feels good, why don't you just do it? It's okay. And the list goes on. And the lies, they start small and innocuous like a little constant drip, but they keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And before long, you start to buy into that, right? You believe a lie long enough, it begins, begins to become a truth. And they come at us not only in the bad times, but they come at us in the good times. Sometimes they're more effective in the good times because we're not as tapped into God. We tend to lean on him a little bit more when crisis comes. And maybe when good times come, Satan begins to spin some of those lies. Either way, we're not as well armed to, to fend off the attacks, and we absorb each lie. And as we do that, they continue to spiral and to snowball. And before you know it, you're beaten down. You've bought into the lie. You're a weary soldier marching to the cadence of an evil leader, a slave to the father of lies. That's why the truth is so important specifically the truth of God, because it enables us to recognize the lies that we've previously believed and to crush them and to move forward. You know, see, sometimes we can identify a lie and we don't even crush it. We just kind of set it aside. It's like we put it up on the shelf. I may come back to that later. We need to crush those lies with the truth of God and move forward. And the truth can also help us as we move forward in situations, in future situations, to recognize the lies when we become vulnerable. When I turn my face to God and, and I, I recognize, I know his glory, I recognize his truth, I know some truths about who I am and my identity in him. I know that through him I find value and worth. My value and worth as a, mo as a dad, yours as a, as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a person, your, your value is found in him. Your identity is found in him. Your value system is found in him. Your, your, your identification of what's right and what's wrong is found in him. And I can expose those lies for the lies that they are. In John chapter 8, verse 32, one of my favorite verses, so simple yet so true, Jesus says to his disciples, the truth will set you free. Think about the lies that enslave us. The truth will set you free. And then I love what Jesus goes on to say. He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I think King David had a pretty good sense of this, how this process works. When he wrote in Psalm 26, verses 2 and 3, he said, 
Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. David knew the freedom from sin and the freedom from the enemy's lies that comes from walking truth out and walking in the truth. Satan is too consistent in his attacks for you and me not to be consistent in our defense of them. You can't let your guard down. If the only time your guard is up is when you're in here or when you're around other, your guard has to be up constantly because Satan is on the prowl and he's always searching and always lying. And you and I need to know the truth so that we can expose those lies. And so this is, this is part of the importance of being equipped with the belt of truth so that when you go through a season where you are, or even a time, whatever it may be, where you are vulnerable, you know, something happens, you go through something, you know that the truth of God, you know what it is. And so when Satan throws those lies at you, you can combat them and defend yourself against them. Now, the belt doesn't just protect us where we're vulnerable. It does, but it doesn't just protect us where we're vulnerable. It also holds the other pieces of armor in place, holds the belt, belt um, breastplate in place. It gives you a place to stock your sword. We'll talk about that later. But really, I guess the, the second thing is the belt of truth holds the rest of our armor together. The belt of truth holds the rest of our armor together. We'll talk more about the, the um, breastplate of righteousness next week. But, but just think about this. Without truth, you don't know what righteousness is. Without truth, nothing else can be held in place because everything is just shifting the way we want it to go or the way someone thinks it should go, how it fits into my paradigm or the things that I want to do. Without truth, how do I know what's right and what's wrong? If there is no absolute truth, then I don't know what's truly right and I don't know what is truly wrong. Tell me that's not applicable in our day and our culture. Without truth, the breastplate of righteousness and what is right can't be held in place in your life. Righteousness is related to truth, and without truth, everything falls apart. Nothing is held together. But the belt of truth isn't just about protecting you when you're vulnerable. It's not just about holding things in place. Number three, the belt of truth also prepares us for action. I don't know how many of you are sports, I know some of you are sports fans, but next time you watch a sporting event, okay, and some of you who are really into sports, you, you know this, but watch what the athletes do. Right now they're having the baseball playoffs, and, and you don't see this as much in baseball, see it more in basketball, but you'll see in, in baseball, they'll kind of do a number like this. They'll kind of hike up a, a little bit their pants, and maybe they'll do their arms a little bit as they get ready to get in the box. You see this in football sometimes too. They'll, they'll hike you know, their pants up a little bit and get ready. But in basketball, definitely, when you get down to like a defensive position, you ever see this? They'll kind of hike up their, their pants. Like, what are they doing? Well, they're, they're moving their garments in such a way so that it doesn't impede their movement, right? So, so they're, they're moving their pants and, and, and their, you know, their garments around so that they have a freer range of motion. You say, what in the world does that have to do with a Roman soldier? Well, today, our soldiers wear pants and, and gear, right? But back then, the, the Roman soldiers had a long, flowing undergarment. And so when they were getting ready to go into battle, into war, into action, they would literally tuck their skirt, for lack of better words, up into their belt so that they could move, so they wouldn't get tripped up, so they wouldn't get caught on things. I read something where they said where they wouldn't pull it over their head, their enemy couldn't pull it over their heads. That's a funny picture, but, but they, they, they tucked these things up. They girded themselves. That's what it means to gird. You gird yourself up for action. 
so that they had freer range of movement. That's what the belt of truth does. It prepares us for action. Think about this. Have you ever known someone who was paralyzed by lies? Have you ever known someone who, because they believed a lie in their life, they didn't know what the next right thing to do was? Maybe you are there right now. The belt of truth prepares us for action. It prepares us to move, to get in the to right position, to have a range of motion. And so when we talk about the belt of truth, we're not just talking about amassing more and more information, right? It's not just about getting more information in here for the sake of information. We're talking about being equipped for the tr- with the truth for the sake of action. Truth isn't simply meant to be heard or taught or read or studied. Truth is meant to be lived out. And so it's not just about me taking in truth for the sake of information's sake. It's about me taking in truth for the sake of transformation's sake. So that God can transform me into the men, into the man, and, and us into the men and women that he has called us to be. And so the belt of truth prepares one for action. I mean, you think about this. We can talk all day long about the lives that God calls us to live. And we can read our Bibles, and we can come to church, and we can do Bible studies, and we can sing songs, and we can talk about God all day long. But there comes a time in each of our lives when truth has to be lived out. It's not just about coming to church. I've said this before. It's about being the church. And part of being the church is living out the truth that is contained in here. And the belt of truth prepares us to live that out and walk that out. God wants to reproduce in you his nature. And God's nature is one of truth and action. Truth embodied in action. And the belt of truth is what prepares us to take action and walk out the truth that God has given us from here to hear. Does that make sense? As I said earlier, the armor has to be put on to be effective, right? So as we close out our time this morning, I just want to give you three things in particular I think we do to put on the armor of God, specifically the belt of truth. And the first one is this, we, and they're kind of played off of what we just got through talking about, those three things. The, first of all, we put on the belt of truth by taking truth in, okay? You got to take truth in to be able to live it out. Now, this is a problem in a lot of ways because we just live out our truth instead of the truth. There's a difference between your truth and the truth. It's like the old saying, there's three sides to every story, right? His side, her side, and the truth. Your truth may not be the truth. It may be truth to you, but that doesn't make it the truth. And we need to be acquainted and know the reality of the truth. And the truth comes from here. And knowing who is the ultimate truth that is contained on the pages of this book. I love what Psalm 119, verse 160 says, all your words are true. All your words, Psalm 119 is all about the precepts and the, the words and the laws and the teachings of God, and they're not meant to be oppressive. They are meant to be freeing. And the, and the psalmist writes here, he says, all your words are true. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, the very essence of your words is truth. Literally, the pages of this book are truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The very words of God are truth. That's where we begin and that's where we end. That's why one of the core practices of any Christian has to be to be in the word every single day. How many of you eat every single day? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you do. 
How many of you feed yourself? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. How many of you feed yourself spiritually every day or allow God's word to feed you every day? In the end, I know that feeding yourself physically is important, but if you don't feed yourself spiritually, that, that holds far more significance. And yet we don't think anything of feeding ourselves physically every single day. And yet how much do we give thought to feeding ourselves spiritually? You and I need to be in God's word, reading it, studying it, meditating on it. If you don't know where to start, talk to me. I'll point you in the right direction. But I always tell people, start somewhere. Maybe not Leviticus, but start somewhere. Start in Matthew, start in John, start in one of the gospels. If you don't eat physically, you will end up starving and eventually you will die. Don't think it's any different spiritually. If you don't feed on the word of God every single day, eventually you will starve and eventually you will die. We all have times in our lives, in our everyday lives, where we're gonna go through something, something, some struggle, some issue, some crisis, something's gonna happen where we're vulnerable, somebody's gonna do something to us, we're gonna do something not, something not good is going to happen. And what Satan does is, is he comes along and he seeks to assign meaning to those things. You have an experience, Satan comes along and he says, I wanna define that for you. That relationship, that event, that circumstance, that situation you're in, whatever, I wanna define that for you. And every single time it's a lie. And you're vulnerable in those times. And so Satan's going to come in and he's going to try to assign meaning to that moment. He's going to try to get you to believe a lie about that struggle, about that circumstance, about that person. And you need the belt of truth to be able to discern the lie from the truth. If you don't have the truth, you don't know what the truth is. You need to put on the belt of truth to be able to discern those lies that Satan throws at us. Why else do we need the belt of truth? I would say, or to take the truth in, I would say that we're called to be more than just pew warmers. You're called to be more than just sitting in a pew warming it up. We are called to be people who move from truth into action. But if you and I don't take the truth in, how do we live that out? We're not prepared for action, which leads to the second thing. I think we put on the belt of truth, got ahead of myself, by walking truth out. We put on the belt of truth by walking truth out. This goes back to truth preparing for action. It isn't until truth is put into practice that you and I can be transformed by it. You are, you know, as, as wonderful and as eloquent and as incredible as my sermons are, ha, 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 laugh that out, or anybody's sermons, you will not be transformed simply by listening to truth. You will only be transformed when you walk that truth out. So I'm glad you're here. But if this is the only measure of truth and you, that you're taking in and you never walk it out, then you will never be transformed by it. In Psalm 119, same chapter, different verse, 100 says, I have more understanding for I obey your precepts. I have more understanding for I obey your precepts. Now listen to what he doesn't say. He doesn't say I have more understanding because I heard another sermon. I have more understanding because I listened to another podcast. I have more understanding because I read my Bible today. I have more understanding because I went to another class. Now I'm not saying that those things don't help us in our understanding. And I'm not saying that he's not saying, or he is saying that those things are unimportant. They are. You should be doing them. But what he says is, I have more understanding because I live this out. There is a certain measure of truth that can only be realized and understood when we walk that truth out. If you never walk it out, you never have a deeper understanding. By the way, when Paul speaks of truth, it's more than just content. 
Because later on he's going to talk about how we, we, one of the, the weapons that we have is the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is the Word of God. And we just talked about the Word of God is truth. So it's more than just content. It's more than just you and me going on the battlefield wielding the truth. But he's also talking about an idea of truthfulness as in our attitude. In, otherwise, in other words, let me ask you this. Are you committed to the battle? Are you truly committed to walking truth out? Because it's not simply about content. It's about commitment. You will never win the spiritual battles you face day after day against a formidable enemy unless you are seriously committed to the victory. You think pro athletes just walk out there and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I'm just going to rely on my talents. No, you don't. You will lose. And if you and I are just content with flopping around in our Christian experience and figuring it out maybe here and dabbling here, you will consistently lose. If you and I are content with all the loose ends in our life, if you and I are content with an infrequent interest in prayer, if we're content with an infrequent interest in worship, if we're content with an infrequent interest in God's word and reading God's word and taking truth in, if there's an indifference to, toward great spiritual truth, if you're content with, with a small understanding of the greatness of God, if you're content with the little sins in your life as well as the big sins in your life, you will be an encumbered soldier and you will be ill-prepared for battle and in the end, you will be ready to be defeated. That is the reality. So how badly do you want to win? How badly do you want to win? I truly believe that far too many Christians lose the spiritual battles that they go through in life because they really don't care enough. I'm not saying that you don't care at all, but think about all the things that you and I care about during the week, and we give no thought to the spiritual battle that you and I are in every single day. If you're indifferent about the spiritual battle you're in, believe me, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. Some of you been in the military, are in the military. You go into the military, they don't say, well, we'd love for you to become a U.S. soldier. So just whenever you can work it into your schedule, you know, we, we'd love for you to be a part. And, you know, we, we have a uniform, but you can just wear whatever you want to. I mean, if you'd like to wear our uniform, that's great. But, what? no, like they own you. You are theirs. You wear what they want you to wear, and you clothe yourself in what they want you to clothe yourself, and you obey the orders that you have been given because that's the best way to not get killed, to not get obliterated. You are a soldier and you are engaged in a war, committed to obedience, committed to fight the enemy and the power of Christ, committed no matter the cost. And so we put on the truth, not simply by our belt of truth, not simply by taking truth in, but by walking truth out and by being committed to the battle. Are you committed? You're here. Are you committed? And then finally, I think we put on the belt of truth by sharing truth with each other. We need each other. As I said earlier, there's no Christian mercenaries. You can't, you can't have somebody fight this battle for you. As a parent, I can't fight it for my kids. As a husband, I can't fight it for my wife. As, as a wife, she can't fight it for her husband. You can fight it for you. You can fight alongside with others, and you can certainly pick them up and hold them and fight with them and fight for them, but you can't do the battle for them. But we do fight together, and we need each other to not only fight with each other, to put on the armor, as we talked about a few weeks ago, to put on the belt of truth. Have you ever asked or been asked, going to go out for an evening, 
maybe a spouse or a friend. You gonna wear that? Let me just say this. I'm gonna give you a, this is, this is free for you guys. That is a surefire way to ruin your marriage by asking that. Do not ask that. Marcy's asking me yesterday, is this okay? Is this, yeah? honey, you look beautiful in whatever you wear. That is the right answer. I'm giving away my secrets, but she already knows them. But the same is true spiritually. We, we, we need to have people in our lives who are willing to ask us, are you, are you going to wear that? Spiritually speaking. And we need people in our lives that, that, that are, we, you need people in your life to ask you that. You need to ask people that, and you need to be able to be asked that. Are you going to wear that? We need to be in people's lives enough that we feel comfortable enough with asking the question when people are buying into a lie, they're reacting to a lie, something happens in their life, Satan assigns meaning to that, and then they start living and reacting out of that lie. We need to be loving enough and brave enough and accepting enough when we're on the receiving end of it to say, are you going to wear that? Let's talk about that for a moment. Are are you really going to believe that? Because that doesn't match up with what God's truth says. You need that in your life, and so do I. And the fact is, we need each other. We need each other to get ourselves fully dressed up and armored up. We need one another to put on the belt of truth and to walk in that truth, take in that truth, and walk that truth out. And let me tell you, there is a world full of people who need the truth too. I know I do. And so do you. Let me tell you this. If Satan can't lie, he's out of business. If we don't believe his lies, he's out of business. That's all he's got. All he's got are lies, and God has given us everything we need. The belt of truth is all we need, is more than enough to combat the lies that Satan has given to us. Hits us with every single day. It's more than enough to combat them and to walk in the truth of God. Today, tomorrow, and every day he gives us on this earth.